Blake here, coming to you with another Cloud Accounting Podcast bonus episode. This one features an interview with School of Rock CFO John Capadonna. It was recorded last month at the Sweet World Conference in Las Vegas. David and I had a great time talking with John about the two key performance indicators he tracks at the School of Rock, how the business model works, why School of Rock relies on NetSuite, and John's advice for accountants who want to become the CFO. This interview was recorded under less-than-ideal sound conditions, so the audio quality leaves something to be desired. Nevertheless, I think you'll enjoy it. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the School of Podcasting. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we are speaking today with John Capadonna, the CFO at the School of Rock. That's my lame joke to open up this interview. John, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, guys. We are live at Sweet World in Las Vegas, talking with NetSuite customers, partners, executives. And John, you've generously given us some of your time today to talk about, well, what should we talk about? I mean, I guess the first thing is School of Rock. How awesome is that? It's, I mean, it's a great, great concept. And for somebody who's not a musician, I always say, I wish I had this when I was a kid. I would have certainly stuck with the drums, which is what I wanted to play. Well, and I, as a musician, I don't think we had School of Rock when I was growing up. And so I ended up playing the cello because, you know, school orchestra was all we had. And, you know, the cello is a great instrument, but it's not like the bass, you know, it's not electric bass. I could have been in a band. I could I wouldn't be here now. I'd be like out on tour. Same thing. I had <laughs> it, in school, it was, I wanted to play the drum and they gave me a snare, one snare. I'm like, where's the rest of it? No, no, no. You get a snare. You got to learn all the notes. And that's how I became an accountant. Right. <laughs> There's nothing that's cool for us, right? A school of accounting that's right. Like, the kids want to go when they're seven, eight years old. No, they, you know, there's not Introduction to T accounts. It's awesome. So School of Rock, let's clarify something for our listeners in case they are confused because I was a little bit confused. School of Rock is the famous Jack Black movie, but that is not actually where School of Rock came from. Like the movie is based on the, the school. Is that right? That's correct. So my understanding, the story goes, is that the character of Dewey Finn was loosely based on the founder of School of Rock. At the time, it was called Paul Green School of Rock Music. So that's where it sort of all emanated from. We do coexist together. Um, we actually have a fairly decent relationship. You know, it doesn't hurt to have that name recognition because, again, people just say, School of Rock would like the movie. It's like, well, yeah. And so it's a good icebreaker because people know what you do, yeah. which is, you know, part of the, you know, first battle. Teach people to look awesome while playing instruments. Correct. That's the, that's, that's the right. look is very important. Absolutely. I think we could learn that as well, a Well, that was the takeaway yesterday with um, Kevin O'Leary from the Shark Tank. And he said, like, you have to explain what you do in, in 90, 90 seconds. seconds. But if you just say School of Rock, you're done. Four and a half seconds. And everybody knows what you do. Well, and the other thing he said is he had three things uh, that you got to be, uh, if you want to raise money, you got to be able to explain your business in 90 seconds or less. Number two is you got to be convincing as an operator. It's like have a history of being a good operator, having exits. And then three was uh, know your numbers. So maybe we can get into that. Like, Absolutely. What, what are the numbers that you as the chief financial officer of School of Rock are looking at? So uh, the, the two big KPIs that we look at daily 
are sales and student count. You know, School of Rock is primarily, it's a service business, obviously. The model is around labor. Labor is the biggest cost and then rent. So in our mind, if we're seeing student count and revenue, you have a pretty good idea of how the month's going to go. Got it. Because you're selling lessons. It's per lesson. Do you have packages? Yeah, actually think of it like a, it's like a, it's a membership model. So what you do, you come in, you sign up as a student. We push or we try to promote our performance program, which is what sets us apart from, if you just want to come in and learn guitar, learn the bass or whatever, and just get lessons, it's not really what we're about. Now, I will tell you that the pandemic has changed that, and I can get into that a little bit more. But, you know, generally speaking, what we do is you come in, you get one lesson a week, and then you get put in a band and you start doing performance. You're practicing with the band with the intent of at the end of the season doing an end of season show. So we rent out a venue, you're up on stage, you're. So it's more like a, my kids did competitive dance, a dance studio. It's Similar the same thing. My, my daughters did dance, same thing. Got it. Same thing. It makes sense. It's perfect sense because instead of paying for lessons, which is what, what, what is your goal, you've actually got a, an objective at the end, which is I'm going to play a, a song, right? At least something. That's right. By the, by and, the end. and the nice thing about this, because I ask this all the time because I am not a musician, and if you sign up even now as an adult, because it's not just for kids, it's for adults, they will get a part for you. They will figure out what you can do and you'll be on stage for a couple songs. I'm not going to say you'll be playing the triangle or the cowbell like Gary, but, um, you know, you will, they'll get you on in a part with the instrument. And it's funny because in, in terms of what the other thing that makes us is we have a curriculum, like we have over a thousand songs that are transcribed. We have put them, we developed a method app that we use as a teaching tool. And then we, so you can see these, these songs in here with the notes, it'll, it'll play back to you, tell you how you're playing, judge how you're playing. So so you're a tech company. You're not just a service company, you're a tech company. We are. So we're not, we didn't necessarily develop the technology in terms of writing the code. We had somebody help us, but yes, absolutely behind that. We've We've got, like, I want to say it's probably 1,100 songs transcribed. We work with publishing partners. So we actually, we have the ability to have these songs and we're not breaking any copyright laws because a lot of things that were happening Mm. early on is you'd go in and get a music lesson. They'd take that sheet music out, copy it, give it to you. You just broke the law. Now, again, if you're a small school, they're not going to find that. But if, as you get scale, so what for us, what we can do is based on the level of, you know, if you're a beginner an intermediate an expert, we can craft shows with songs at different level. And, you know, so the beginners are going to be playing ACDC and probably the, the more advanced are playing Rush. Your service business. So you people pay to take the classes. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming this big production or show at the end, mm-hmm. there's, do you have ticket sales or mm-hmm. something for that? We do. Now, instruments, do you sell the instruments? Do you also do product stuff? So, so you ha- you're not just a service business, you're, you're everything business. That's right. So over the last, I would say the last couple of years, we've actually started getting into the gear business. Now, we're not gu- Guitar Center. We don't have a big retail footprint. We don't have numbers of guitars sitting on the 
on the walls, but we are now partnering with major vendors to offer gear to students. So we just signed with Gibson. We have Fender. We have Roland for keyboard. Right now, we have a third party that is doing this. So they're basically where we've created the website. They go through, they order it. They order it direct from the third party. The third party ships it. We will get to that point. There will be a point because we've really just launched this business in the last, we, we started launching it just before the pandemic. Pandemic hit, sort of put things on pause a bit. And now we're ramping it back up. We've made a big investment. And uh, I do see down the line that we will probably need to be looking at having our own distribution. And it, again, if it grows enough, sure. So is this one of the reasons you're on NetSuite? Uh, what, what brought you to NetSuite and, and, and this conference? The NetSuite decision was made long before I joined the company. But one of the big reasons why going through and doing my diligence was the ability to scale. And, and I can see that now. So we were a much smaller company when we implemented NetSuite in 2012. We had like 130 schools. At the time, they were going to put all the franchisees on it, but then there was, it, it didn't work as planned. Well, that could so be challenging. I mean, that, these are often business owners doing their own bookkeeping, like they'd correct. have to learn. That's right. That's something right. different. So it was a bit overkill, but we used it for our corporate schools. But at the time we only had, you know, 10 or 12. So I'm really happy that we did invest in NetSuite because when I first joined, we had 20 corporate schools. We then grew to 40 within a year. We do all the accounting for that, everything. If we didn't have a system like NetSuite, if we were on QuickBooks, it would have been dead in the water. So for the corporate uh, schools, the ones that you own, those locations, you roll those up in NetSuite. Everything. Got yep. it. And Each then, has its own location. Yep. And then the franchisees who are independent, they do their own books and send you the... The P&Ls. P&Ls. That's Got correct. Mm -hmm. And they use the accounting system of choice or do they also use NetSuite? No, no, no. So they primarily, most of them will use QuickBooks. Um, they might use some other QuickBooks type of competitors, but, you know, they, they more than likely, I, mm -hmm. I actually, I know nobody's using NetSuite in the franchise world. Right. Well, just for that independent location. That's right. Are, why would they? That's right. right. It's, it's, it's seems a like there's a, there's a door there for a third well, party developer. Yeah, well, no. Or, or NetSuite themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, model. you have to get, how many P&Ls do you get every month or how often do they send those in? Every quarter. Every quarter. Yeah. And so then your team has to go and, I mean, they're franchisees, so I assume you're charging them a fee. We are. So we charge, but, and that's all done through NetSuite. Our point of sale system is separate for a whole host of reasons, but we link it in through NetSuite and NetSuite will run our royalties. Every month we charge royalties for there. So we load up the sales data into NetSuite. We kick off a, a uh, process and it immediately calculates all the royalties. We spit out invoices. It all happens seamlessly. Then we actually go, what's nice about our model is domestically, you have to have a bank account set up that we're able to draw from. So we will go and draw the oh, you royalties. You have to wait for them to pay the royalties. It's, That's it's, good. It's not That's good, right? Domestically. So this is all done through NetSuite. So then we kick off, usually on the 10th day of the month, the 
Fifth day of the month, we'll send out the invoices. On the 10th day of the month, we'll go and we'll kick off the EFT and we'll go and grab the funds all through NetSuite. So we use somebody that's a payment provider that links up through NetSuite and we just go and grab it. So it's, it's great. Do you mind if I ask who you're using? Coastal. Coastal? So, somebody called Coastal. I, I, again, this is my first experience with NetSuite, but again, they, you know, they seem to be, they're one of those things that it, if it just goes on and you don't hear anything about it, they're doing their job. Right. It's when something blows up. So I never hear about them. So that's why I never have to ask any questions. So how many locations are there? Uh, 300 worldwide. We own 46 corporate schools domestically. Most of the schools are in the U.S. Internationally, we have Brazil, which is a huge market for us. It's mm. probably the, it is the second largest market that we're in. We have about 33 schools there. We have a master franchisor there, great guys there, and they're, you know, growing like weeds. Other Latin American countries, Chile, Peru, Paraguay, um, we have locations in Mexico, Canada, Australia. We just opened in Taiwan this year. Wow. We Congrats. just opened in Spain yeah. this year. And next year, we will be opening in Portugal and Ireland. And every location is using the same point of sale system? Yes. That's, that is the one requirement on our business is you must use the, point, the same point of sale system. What system is that? It's a company called... Pike 13, I had never heard of them before, but they're, so the, one of the things that they did is they, they combined scheduling with payroll and all of that. So it was, it, they were, they made their money in gym memberships. So when we were evaluating it, this model is very much like that. It's, you get your membership fee once a month. And so, and you have to schedule if you're scheduling time, mm -hmm. you know, Jimmy's guitar lesson is with, you know, Sam Smith and you can set, schedule all that. Yeah. Nice. Well, it sounds like it's really, you've really built a tight uh, system there that allows you to be really quick when it comes to the key stuff. Exactly. And it's never been more apparent than in the last year with the pandemic. I mean, we were, we were, it was taking us a long time to close the books and we finally got that time frame down the pandemic hit and now we have to get into forecasting and that's where the the basis of everything we do is the data that comes out of NetSuite um so you know we we're downloading P&Ls and by location I mean my FP&A team is forecasting for 46 schools plus franchising plus other corporate expenses it's it's a very intricate model and it all starts with the data that's out of NetSuite I was going to ask about your team, but you kind of just, did. maybe I'll just. Oh, so. I, well, I'm curious. Like, so um, all those locations, the corporate locations, like what, 40 something, mm -hmm. uh, that's a pretty complex finance function. What's your team look like? Where are you all we're located? Small. We're So the finance team, we're all located in Boston and we're a small team. I mean, I've got a controller and three accountants. And then on the FP&A side, I've got an FP&A director, and we just hired an FP&A analyst. I, I, mean, I forgot to count. Let's see. One, two. Uh, so we have, I have four in the accounting side and two in the FP&A side. That is a very lean. It is a very yeah. lean team. And before we hired the FP&A analyst earlier this year, 
I was the FP&A analyst. So it was, you know, I would do a bunch of things and because my director was doing other things. So I was literally creating reports in NetSuite, downloading them, using them to analyze IT expenses and professional services and all this stuff. So I, I kept kidding. I'm like, you know, my, my FP&A director basically delegated it all to me. Here, you can take care of that. I'm like, all right. And then what's your relationship with your accounting firm? Is it just like a tax audit situation? Do they help you roll out implementations, help you pick the tools? No. So primarily our relationship is it's for audit and we have them do our taxes as well because we are, we're an LLC. We have uh, partners in there with K1. So that's a, a big process at the end of the year. They have not helped us choose systems because we've had NetSuite in longer than we've had them. You know, again, they're helping us though through some tax strategies and that stuff. Again, as we get to go international, there's a whole lot of things and I'm, I'm not a tax guy and there's a whole lot of complexities that I just don't know about. So I need some assistance from them to, to help me through that. Do you have any advice for accountants who want to become the CFO? Do you have an accounting background yourself? I don't. I'm an FP&A guy. I came up through the FP&A um, stovepipe. Now, I know enough about accounting to be dangerous. I wanted, the, the funny thing is, I wanted to be an accountant. In college, I'm like, I'm going to be an accounting major. Took financial accounting. It was great. When I got to management accounting, managerial accounting, I was like, oh, I don't like this. And oddly enough, that's what I do now. But that's another story. But um, so, yeah, so I came up through the FP&A side, but that's one of my biggest regrets is that I never got the CPA and did it that way. You know, now I'm just too old for that. Um, but, yeah, but you don't want to go back and do no, it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I don't think you can get your 150 credit hours oh, yeah, at School yeah. of Rock for your well, CPA maybe, exam. Maybe <laughs> it doesn't have to be in accounting. That's exactly so, right. It can be on the job. There you That's go. right. Um, so, you know, for younger accountants, I would, I would give them the advice to get to understand the business. I think that is the biggest thing especially in, and you get more of that on the FP&A side, but there are more, it's, you, you have to obviously understand the basics of accounting and make sure the numbers are right. But then what makes you more valuable, what makes you sought after is understanding why things are happening, what's going on, because you're basically in finance and in accounting, you, you're, Everything comes into you. You, you. you see it all. You're putting together the story. So people will then seek you out to, un, you know, hey, what's going on here? Can you help me out? I'm not really sure. Why am I over budget? Why am I under budget? And just as you look at it that way and don't shy away from really understanding what's going on within the business, that's how you're going to be able to grow. Because one of the hardest things that I had to do as a CFO was get out of the, I know you can close the books. I know you can do an Excel spreadsheet. This literally is a conversation my CEO had with me. He's like, I know you can do all that. What I need you to do is be my CFO, delegate down and, you know, make sure we don't hit the iceberg. And I need you up on the top deck looking to make sure you're not hitting the iceberg. So that's the, mm -hmm. that's how you do it. So if you, if you 
really understand how the business works and the KPIs and the levers that you can pull, that's how you can get to the big chair. I love it. John, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. We have been speaking with John Capadonna, CFO at School of Rock. And John, if uh, our listeners are curious about connecting with you online, where can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I am also, I, I think that's really the only social media I do is LinkedIn, but yeah. And then obviously at schoolofrock.com, um, you know, jcapadon at schoolofrock.com. Which I'm on the website, there's job openings. You have nothing in your department. No, no. Well, soon, <laughs> soon mine. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Are you looking to hire anyone? <laughs> you can let us, we got listeners. No. Yeah. Well, we, you know, if this was a few months ago, yes, we were. We, we just had, you know, unfortunately the great resignation uh, we were not immune to it. So that's another thing. So we, I turned over my whole department this year. Wow. I had my controller from last year, but my two accountants brought in brand new accountants. None of us have had a lesson on NetSuite, not one. And we were able to bring them in and get them up to speed quickly and start humming on this thing. So that's huge. Yeah. I think people don't talk enough about that in terms of the benefits of this kind of solution that's easy to learn. It's intuitive. Uh, right. It's intuitive. If you've got, if you have experience with other general ledger systems, coming here to pick it up, it's pretty easy. And even me, where I'm not an accountant, I'm not doing journal entries or whatever, but I was able to come in, look at the system, be like, oh, how do I run a report? Oh, here's some, here's a cut, here's a report. I want to customize it. I want to do, oh, I can go in here, see how it's developed. You can drag and drop things over. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> a great testimonial. John, thank you so much for your time and, and have a great rest of your conference. Thank you. Thank you, guys.